Thank you so much for joining us on X Garage. We have a special guest uh, with us today. Uh, Trevor, thank you for joining us. Appreciate having you. Thank you for having me. Cool. So today we're going to talk, we've been getting into the Baha'i faith lately. Um, lots to talk about with this group. Um, so we are anticipating to get onto Buddhism, which we are, are working our way toward. Um, but Trevor is our um, connection and expert uh, connection to the Baha'i faith. And I don't like to call yourself that, but you do. Oh, no. Um, you do have a, quite a, a wealth of knowledge that we're, we're hoping to um, draw from. Um, so if you are new here, uh, we d- dive into the world of worldviews using the Christian worldview. Um, and that's religions or different viewpoints. Uh, and so, yeah, welcome. Uh, feel free to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, hope to see you guys around. Uh, so before, uh, well, to dive in, uh, before we like really get into the, the Baha'i faith, uh, Trevor, I'd love to hear a little bit more, uh, about your background, um, and just how you got into the world of apologetics and, and more specifically the Baha'i faith. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm part of a ministry called Haven Ministries. It's a ministry, uh, for everyone that needs to hear about uh, Jesus. So there's about 15 of us on uh, staff that do it voluntarily. Some have a focus on Islam, some have a focus on Native Americans, some like to focus on Hindus. Uh, my main focus are Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and the Baha'i faith, how I initially got interested in the apologetics. I was on a plane from DC to Denver and I met some Mormons on a plane. I didn't know anything about their religion and I they said so the I asked where these two people are from and they said Utah and the first question I asked was well are you Mormon not knowing anything about their religion and talked with them on and off and then just kept running into Mormon related things and then I ran into people within the correct year and they invited me to an event called um, the Mormon Miracle Pageant in Manti Utah which is about two and a half hours uh, southeast of Salt Lake City and. There's about 10,000 people that come out each night uh, for two weeks and to watch this uh, play just about Mormonism. And then uh, what us, there's about 300 Christians that come out and we just try to witness to Mormons while we're out there. And uh, that was so much fun. And they've unfortunately discontinued that event in uh, 2019 for over 50 years. And while I was out there, I met an ex Jehovah's Witness that was wit- witnessing to the Mormons and I got interested in Jehovah's Witnesses. And so the first thing I do when I get home, start studying their religion more and call up the nearest Kingdom Hall and I start meeting with the Jehovah's Witnesses in my area. I'm, I met with one for once a week for three and a half years and he's a real close guy that I really care about. And so I've that's how I got interested in those two faiths. And then um, there was an event called the Parliament of World's Religions that occurred in Salt Lake City in 2015, I went to that, and while I was, before I went, I said, hmm, I should maybe study a little bit on some other faiths, and one of the faiths there was the Pi faith, and so I studied a little pamphlet on it, uh, didn't, didn't, I understood a little bit, and when I was there with the Baha'is, I didn't really know how to interact with them, with, even though I just read a little bit about them, but then in 2018, the event occurred in Toronto, and before I went, I 
really started studying the Baha'i faith and met with the Baha'i in my area. And then when I got out there, I started, I met the Baha'is. They were promoting a movie called The Gate, Dawn of the Baha'i Faith. And they were the most prevalent there and got really connected with the Baha'is. And then when I came back, started studying even some uh, more of the Baha'i faith. And one thing is I really started having heart for them. I started asking uh, Christians about the Baha'i faith and they said, don't study the Baha'i faith. They're troubled. Stay away from them. And that and that's just like telling a red kid not to touch the button. And that's what I did. I started studying it even more. And it was just so sad to see these Christians say, stay away from them. Don't witness to them. And that just broke my heart. Because like these people are in need of Jesus. And that's when I ultimately started a group on Facebook called Witnessing to Baha'is so we can inform other Christians about how to actually effective witness to the Baha'i faith. And so I've been doing that for a while and I've really enjoyed it. That's just a little that's bit awesome. about the ministry that I do. Yeah, that's great. And well, I've, I've been on that, that page a, a little bit now and I appreciate the uh, intent and the um, kind of camaraderie around um, witnessing to the Baha'i and the people there that uh, you know, want to get into that and learn more about their faith. Because it, it is it is pretty complicated. Like they, they, It's pretty hefty in terms of the amount of uh, books and information you can learn. <laughs> uh, you know, if you think about like the, the amount of, uh, I mean, like if you're studying Mormonism, you have the Book of Mormon, but you also have a few other, uh, you know, Doctrine and Covenants, Progress Price, Those are a few hefty books. For Islam, they have you know the uh, the Hadith uh, and the Quran, um, all the material that you have to know. And Baha'i just kind of like t- says like you know all, order, all all these religions. Let's just kind of take all their books. But then he he writes like how how many books was it like? Uh, uh, there's about a hundred volumes that are equivalent to size of our Bible. That's insane. Um, <laughs> and uh, what what percent do you said was uh, um, translated into English so far? When I checked into the 90s, uh, I saw in the 90s about 30%. So maybe 48% or so probably ever since then is my guess. Yeah, so still, still a work in progress getting those into the English language. Um, so first off, I know we've talked about this in a few of our other episodes. I'd love to get kind of another uh, set of bullet points just to review. What are the main aspects of the faith that if somebody said, uh, you know, as best we can, what if, if uh, you were Baha'i and you had an elevator pitch, what what is the religion about? What are their goals, etc.? Yeah, so the Baha'i has uh, 12 uh, principles that they go around um, telling them. Um, the first one is called the eternal investigation of truth. So we want you to study out the faith to see if it is uh, true. And the ironic thing is, all right, you can study anything you want, but don't look at anything that says anything against our faith. If it says anything against our faith, it means it's not true. So it's really not, it's really not inter- or looking for the truth if you can't look at everything. And also, you know, like I said, not, not everything of the Baha'i faith is, translated from Arabic into English. Um, one interesting thing I find really important is uh, there is a book by Bahu'u'llah called the Kitas that was that he wrote in the 1800s and it was a difficult, most holy book it would be translated into, into English but yet it's 
translated in English in 1992, yet the Baha'i faith is translating other books that are less holy way before 1992. So why are they waiting so long to translate this most holy book? So that's what that's telling me is that they're trying to hide some things and don't want things published. Or do they follow Islam in the sense that um, I'm going to pause for one second. <laughs> <laughs> do, do they, uh, and those are cars for those listening, those uh, cars coming by and outdoors. This was a bad decision. Uh, but are, do, do you think they follow a little bit of that? Islamic thought of not desiring to translate the most holy sacred texts into another language and that, that they don't want to have it be perverted by the uh, transmission of a text into another language. You think, is, have you seen that anywhere? I haven't seen it at all because they the Baha'is read from the Quran that are in English. So hmm. I haven't seen any of that. My personal opinion is I can't read Arabic, but yes. my personal opinion is that there are embarrassing things in their literature that they don't want translated out. I would, I think with what little reading we have done, I think we can agree to that. Yes, and there's other books that I have uh, that you can see from early editions. There's one book called Baha'u'llah in the New Era. It's a biography of Baha'u'llah. The early edition says something, and then in the later editions, it's totally, it's totally gone. So, so if that's, so that's why I suspect they're not going to translate everything on purpose. Got it. Um, what would you say are the the main themes for? Um, so let, let's talk about just some minor or the main points of doctrine. Um, so first, if if they had to define who God is, how would they define God? They would define God as the Almighty, all creative being. He's existed. He's all powerful, eternal. He's omniscient and. He knows everything that's going to happen. So that's kind of like how Christians would say it. Um, but there's no trinity of any kind um, from people from different faiths. Basically, however you understand God, that is who God is. Kind of like with the blind men and the elephant. You feel this part of the elephant and you feel this part of the elephant. How you under We each get a little bit of understanding of who God is without knowing who he is. And God is an unknowable essence. We can't truly know everything about God is how God is. So it's a little bit more similar to the Islamic definition of God. It seems where God is a a complete unity, uh, more of a strict monad in that sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, got, got too fun on here. Hey, how's it going too fun? (laughs) Um, what do you think, uh, would be, and when they talk about soteriology or in, uh, so when you talk about salvation, what are we saying and what are they saying in terms of this is the goal where they'd like you to go from unbeliever to believer? Um, or is there a connection between those who are not following their religion? Are, are the those people unsaved or is it, um, I'm not saying this very clearly. Uh, well, let's just start with that. How do you, how do you go from being an unbeliever to, someone in the faith, in the Baha'i faith? Well, there's really not the word salvation I see in the Baha'i faith. Um, I get told by a Baha'i friend that we, I am already a Baha'i, even though I don't believe Baha'u'llah to be a prophet of God. Uh, Baha'i faith is just a continuation of the older faiths. And so we are already Baha'is, whether we know it or not. And so 
if that makes sense. Yeah, so they they don't they wouldn't see Christians necessarily as someone needing to be saved or, or needing to be redeemed. Correct. Got it. it. It's interesting on that point, though, is like, doesn't that um, contradict their most holy scriptures? Because there's parts in the most holy scriptures which say you must profess that Baha'i, Baha'u'llah is is the Lord or is is the, or Baha'i is the true religion. Um, I'm pretty sure, at least when I was reading it, there was that multiple times. Yes, you do see. Yeah, nails. You do see things like that. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say there's this quote from their side, the, the meaning of this blessed verse. He's talking about um, those who are going to pause. He's going to go look for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, I have the verse here. It's just a bus went by. Uh, okay. So, sorry. Uh, anyway, in the context, they, like you said, Trevor, that's really, I think, totally that they don't use the terms so salvation or soteriology or anything like that, but they have a salvific, um, they have an end goal which is ultimately uh so whether or not it's it's a, a semantics game really um mm. but it seems that they have this answer it says on the site that the meaning of this blessed verse i can't quote the verse at the moment is that the foundation of success and salvation is the recognition of god and that good deeds which are the fruit of faith de de uh, derived from this recognition yeah. so this i don't know you want to speak into that trevor on what they mean by tying the idea of the ultimate blessed life with recognition of God. Yeah, just recognizing the new messenger of God, that's what is most important for them. Recognizing the Bab and Bahu'llah who are the messengers for this time. So similar to how like the uh, the confession of the Muslim uh, might be, I, I can't remember exactly how they phrase it, but it's uh, the only God is Allah and the last prophet is, is Muhammad. Yeah, is that this? Is there like a similar uh, equation in the the uh, Baha'i faith? They say believe in God, and that the Baha'u'llah is the is the final prophet or something like that. They they just want you to recognize him as the newest manifestation of God. And if you don't recognize him as the final manifestation, it is okay because we are all one faith. We all are part of the same faith. Mm -hmm. Um, is there anybody that they would ex specifically exclude? It seems like they're, they're pretty inclusive, but it's it's mainly the the biggest religions, right? Is uh, yeah. there anybody like the Mormons? They would be like, man, ah, those guys are crazy. <laughs> yeah, but I was actually just literally having this conversation with Baha'i, um, but uh, they they would just say, ah, oh, they're just kind of weird or odd, but they they probably still are following God. Uh, the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses are, but one of the Baha'is picked on Scientology. Okay. Oh, they, they, they would. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, Tufan okay, gave us a... They're more, more similar in some respects. Um, Tufan gave us a, a prayer to read. Um, so let's, let's pull it up on screen. Uh, thank you, Tufan, for, for interacting with us. We do appreciate that. Um, so here is a Baha'i prayer that says people need salvation. O Lord, thou art the remover of every anguish and the dispeller of every affliction. Thou art he who banish every sorrow and setteth free every slave, setteth free every slave. Uh, the redeemer of every soul, O Lord, uh, grant deliverance through thy mercy and reckon me among such servants of thine as uh, have gained salvation. 
Um, so it still seems unclear to me, like what what is salvation to the Baha'i then? Who is 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 there a sense of being damned, or is it like how how universal is it? Seems kind of. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't understand. Like, like they're not getting salvation through any person that has uh, died on their behalf for our sins at all. Um, because in their theology, there really is no heaven or hell. There's just progressing towards God or further from God. Hmm. This sounds a lot like Buddhism in a, in, a, in a real sense in terms of their salvation. Although, again, they wouldn't use that term. Like you're saying, there's nothing they're being saved from essentially. Like they don't they don't call sin. They don't use that terminology or that we're at odds with God. But this idea I see coming up in all other quotes is that our duty lies in seeking to polish the mirrors of the heart in order that we may we shall become. Uh, one second. I really apologize, guys. Uh, that we shall become reflectors of that light and recipients of the divine bounties which may be fully revealed through them. In other words, like the idea is that it seems to me, correct me, Trevor, that the goal is really to grow in wisdom. And in that growth in our wisdom or knowledge, more so is by what they would say, that is our sound. That is our becoming something greater is this, this cultivating knowledge. But that knowledge is defined by following the Bahula and the teachings of the faith. Yeah, which, is, which is really antithetical to the, the Christian position because we, we see our sin as being a, a complete separator from, from us and God. So there there is this, um, in a legal sense, we, we are separated. We, we, we deserve the condemnation with, without somebody paying that, that price ultimately. And so having faith in Christ that that submission to him putting our sins on the cross on our behalf is is what in a legal sense makes us right before the father where our condemnation is is attached to the cross not then we don't have the ability on in our own selves um to be able to kind of climb climb the ladder of of uh spiritual recognition and so on yeah we can't atone for our own sin right um, cool. So and then let's let's go into talking a bit about uh, Baha'u'llah. Um, am I saying that right? I th- these words are so confusing to me. Yeah. How, how do you... Good thing if you're on the internet, you can just write it down. But and not yeah. actually, you know, <laughs> it's a uh, Baha'u'llah or Baha'u'llah. So it doesn't Baha'u'llah. matter too much, but it's just a little bit different on how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Baha'is, Baha'is will be gracious, and they understand. Yep. <laughs> um, cool. So why don't why don't we talk about the the bullet points of uh, the the um his his life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was uh born in uh, Persia in eighteen uh, seventeen. He was uh born to a pretty wealthy family. Um, he was uh, he was known for his knowledge growing up, and then later um. He joins the Babi faith, which is a little different than the Baha'i faith. Uh, this guy named the Bab, he claimed to be the Bab, and he, which is it means the gate in Arabic, and he's the considered like the forerunner uh, in the Baha'i faith, like a John the Baptist or the Elijah, and he follows him for several years. Um, then the Bab, he's a uh, he he's uh, killed in 1850, and then after that, a lot of people are saying. Um, who's going to be the next leader? Um, 
Kenneth Bowers writes in his book, who's a Baha'i, um, a short introduction to the Baha'i faith, that there's at least 25 people that claim to be the successor to it. And But um, I think the Bob uh, said Mirza Yahya, who is Bahu'llah's half-brother, claimed to be the true successor. That's who the Bob wanted. And so Mirza Yahya does take over for a while, but then Bahu'llah ends up taking over most of the followers. And then Mirza Yahya kind of goes into no longer a footnote in history and not many people will even know about him. And then throughout, uh, and then in um, 1863 in the garden of Rezvan, uh, Baha'u'llah claims to be the one God who shall ma made manifest, which is the fulfillment of all the religions. So the 10th avatar for Hinduism, the fifth Buddha, the second coming of Christ. So the fulfillment for all religions. And then all throughout the years, Baha'u'llah's jailed and let go, jailed and let go. And then he he's end up, ends up dying in 1892 in, in uh, Israel. And then after that, there's a few follower or, or is it, you want me to keep going with him or, yeah. or with this, his successors there? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so his son, Abdul Baha takes over and he, he um, takes over for a while. And then he, Abdul Baha dies in, I, 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 um, he, he's all, Abdul Baha is really seen as the leader of the faith. And then, when he dies in uh, 1921, um, his grandson Shoghi Effendi takes, takes over. And I guess a little back before Abdul Baha says he dies in his will, he leaves a will and he says, um, I'm not quoting it exactly, that uh, my grandson Shoghi Effendi and his offspring shall be the next guardians, meaning the leaders of the faith. And then Shoghi Effendi does take over and uh, he dies in uh, 1957. Well, the the uh, ironic thing is Shoghi Effendi, he doesn't leave any children at all. He dies childless. And so what they have to do instead is they have to have the, the thing called the Universal House of Justice, which is established in 1963 and has uh, leaders of uh, nine men that are elected. And they're, they're, they have conferred infallibility, so they speak on the half of the Baha'i faith and it they're in uh, Israel today, and every five years they're reelected. So, so I believe from the, the conversation that Ethan had with Tufan, he was saying that uh, it's not an open revelation source. Like the House of Justice isn't isn't necessarily an open source of revelation, but is rather that they have uh, uh, infallible in, in interpretation of uh, the the writings of Baha'u'llah. Yes. Does, does that sound correct to you? That is correct. Okay. Uh, in, in, do you know in, in what sense do they have a um, infallible uh, view of interpretation? Because that, that sounds very much like uh, Heath's friend, uh, uh, Russell, <laughs> or for, for the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, it, uh, Char Charles Taze Russell. Here, I'm mute. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah, my good friend. Yep. Charles, because <laughs> uh, it seems like in the same sense he would say that he had um, the, the kind of kind of a inspired uh, connection to the interpretation. Is that is that how he saw himself? 
Yeah, they're really the only ones that are able to interpret the Holy Script or the Scriptures. And if there's something that's not covered in the Scriptures, they if they get together, they will release something as statement. And when they do it together, it's infallible. Hmm. Yeah, that's identical. The same same method as uh, the Jones Witnesses, hmm. Charles, and, and the study group. Interesting. So, and. In that sense, I guess my, my question would be: how, In what way would, if if they're the only ways uh, people that can interpret interpretate interpret uh, the word of God correctly, then how would I be able to interpret their interpretation? Like, if if there's that degree of separation, I have a concern about my ability to really be able to ascertain any of that that divine revelation, even the interpretation of the divine revelation that is divine. How do I how is there any sort of connection between me and my ability to to connect with that? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, you're a fallible human being, and uh, you will be able to understand it uh, only your human knowledge. And you can probably can only stand it if you call up the Universal House of Justice, which I imagine you probably can't do. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. You And you had some uh, thoughts about it sounds like there's a lot of uh, modern-day splinter groups. Is that right? There is. I honestly don't know too much about them, but there's, um, there's a, there was, there's about nine, nine of them that I'm aware of. Nine. Wow. Okay. Yes. And, uh, um, I guess when I go back to Abdul Baha, he says uh, Shogi Effendi and, and the first of the guardians. So he's saying there's going to be multiple guardians. Well, Shogi Effendi was the first guardian for the main Baha'i faith. So to, to interrupt, Tufan says, um, sorry for making comments. The House of Justice deals with legislation. It never deals, never interprets Baha'i's writings. So what do we mean by legislation? What type of legislation are they working through? It seems like legislation would, would necessitate some level of interpretation. Um, um, yeah, because they can't make any legislation apart from basis of their uh, how many books was it again yeah <laughs> so it, let's continue though on to the, the splinter groups because they they do uh value the kind of unity that they they seem to have on the front um but the fact that there are splinter groups is interesting yes so i don't know too much about their theology or or even how really to get in contact with anyone but i find it funny that the baha'i faith say we want unity in one religion and you have to follow Bahula, but these people over they follow Bahula, but they're still out. They're not part of it. They're apostates. Mm -hmm. So I find that kind of funny. Yeah, uh, and and two fun. Sorry, we'll finish up this conversation with with him, and then we'll go on to the next topic. He says, for example, uh, whatever modern issues come up with humanity. Uh, but again, I I think that you're you, you are still necessitating a level of interpretation from the text. Uh, that is infallible, and they're they're the only ones that have that uh, infallible ability. However, you want to look at that. Um, I don't know, anything else to add on, on to what Tufan or uh, is saying, or the the splinter groups? Nothing. I guess just what I want to add about the splinter groups is if why are they not a part, or why do the Baha'is say they aren't part of the true faith when they're apostates and covenant breakers? They would use the word covenant breaker. Hmm. Oh, interesting. So, it, so does the Baha the Baha'i faith then see themselves as as covenant holders, 
what kind of covenant are, how would they describe that covenant? That's a really good question. I haven't, uh, I guess just uh, following the Baha'i teachings to the best of their ability. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that is a fascinating point because the whole thing is like we noted earlier is that everyone is essentially a part of the one faith. All these other faiths who have been kind of swallowed up, if you will, into the newer revelation. And then yet these who have slightly different slightly different teachings are all of a sudden kind of cast out of the covenant or cast out of this big broad faith. If I'm if I'm reading what you're stating, stating correctly. Yeah. And there's one person that I, I uh, his name is Mason Remy. He was pretty high up in the Baha'i uh, religion, the main one, but then he ends up kind of starting his own uh, smaller group in the Baha'i, or the, yet at the time he was doing a lot of great things for the Baha'i faith. And then all of a sudden he becomes a covenant breaker and they he is not looked upon kindly. That is one person that you will see called a covenant breaker many times. Yeah. As we move on to more topics, we definitely, I think, oh, Henry, myself, and the snake, we, we want to come back to that Jesus's <laughs> return. Yeah, uh, that's important. That's and, very yeah. important for me. Come back to the gospel. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and and two fun. We'll we'll I'll, we'll we'll end with this. But he he said uh, I can try to explain the Baha'i teachings on the points our friend Trevor mentioned. I guess if you decide we can do an interview in the future, maybe that'd be something we could invite both of you and we can do like an informal debate or discussion sometime. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, awesome. Well, let's. Uh, any anything else that you'd like to mention before we had kind of one more topic we wanted to touch on about uh, the Baha'i's view of Jesus. Um, anything else that you got that's sticking out to you guys as far as um, what we should talk about? Uh, just one more comment on on uh, Tufan's remarks is um, something I keep running across is there. There seems to be like a redefining of certain terms. And um, so interpretation might mean something different to a Baha'i um, than it would be to us. Um, so that might be something that we that would be cool, uh, interesting to look into and see what he means by interpretation and what we mean by interpretation, because maybe we're misunderstanding what his idea of interpretation, what we're interpreting interpretation to mean. <laughs> That's uh, very important with uh, all, all faiths that we're going to use the same words, but they're going to mean different things to us. Yeah, you'll see that a lot with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, who I deal with as well. Mm -hmm. They like to redefine their terms for sure. Yes. Um, cool. So, so the the meat, what I'm hoping to be the meat of our discussion, we wanted to talk about evangelism and how to be able to communicate with them well, uh, and particularly uh, how that affects how they view the person of Christ. Um, so, you have some thoughts on that, uh, Trevor? Well, the first thing is, one of the saddest things was, was for people to say, don't study the Baha'i religion. They're wrong. They're, don't, you can go study Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, but don't study the Baha'i faith. I thought that was just the saddest thing in the world for me. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. these are people here as well that I believe are wrong and very nice people. But I, I do think they, they are mistaken and they are in need of the Jesus of the Bible. So do encourage them to study with other people that do know the Bible and do know the Baha'i faith and let them, let them ask questions. Don't discourage people from uh, studying the Baha'i faith is one thing. And one thing, and then for just a evangelism, get to know them, understand the people of the Baha'i faith, understand their religion. Um, 
get to talk with them, go to go to coffee with them. If you if you know any in the area, get connected with them, become friends with them is one of the big things. People don't care what you know or how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that's really important. And then for evangelism, I think the most important thing is to understand who they believe Christ to be and who we believe Christ to be. When uh, Baha'is are going to say who Christ is, they're going to say Baha'u'llah is the return of Christ. And what and uh, Christians are going to be really puzzled by that because Baha'u'llah doesn't fulfill really any of the second comings of Christ. Um, the second comings of Christ in the Bible talks about Jesus is going to come on clouds, physical clouds, and everyone's going to see him with literal eyes. And while then the Baha'i faith, we're going to start turning everything that's uh, physical into spiritual in order to fit their theology. Yeah, and that second coming of Christ in Baha'u'llah uh, seems to, it, it would be saying that the, the, the Christ, former Christ's teachings were contradictory to his new revelation, mm -hmm. particularly with his coming, as you said, but also with his establishment of the church, establishment of the ways of salvation that he, you know, I mean, that to me would be, as you said, first befriending them because good deeds and charitable deeds and that disposition of kindness or love, whatever term one uses, seems to be like you're saying one of the good ways to meet with them because that is really important to their theology or their their practice seems is that they emphasize good deeds. But I feel yeah. like if you can really become uh, uh, to where they see you as a good friend and then you can, as a Christian, know Christology, know, who, know Christ, know salvation issues, you could by then begin to show maybe some of those inconsistencies? Do you, I mean, what, what, what have you found in the conversations with them? Do you show inconsistencies or do you just share the Christ that scripture reveals? At what point do you do that or have you? It depends on the, the Baha'i you're talking to, whether you're close with them or you're not close with them, but we still have to, we have to share the gospel. Um, we, we have to find what good methods are sharing with them. Yeah, it's interesting because it's almost like uh, Jesus came back and we've changed his mind. Like, oh, how, what, what kind of God is is that? Or what kind of representation? Because they see him more as a representation or the full embodiment of God, right? Is that right, Trevor? They see, well, they would see um, any of the manifestations of God from Abraham, Moses, Buddha, all the way down to Baha'u'llah as a pure reflection of God. If you were to look into a mirror and you see a sun, and if you see the mirror, in, or if you see the sun in the mirror, that is what the manifestation is, a pure reflection of who God is and not actual, actual God. So it's important in, uh, obviously in Christianity, where we're talking about the nature of Christ, that his his ontology is that of God. Like he, yes. he is God. He's not just a mere reflection. He's not just a manifestation. He's not mm -hmm. just the. Uh, he's, he's not. He's not what you see in a mirror. He is the the. He is a person. He is God in the flesh, um, and that that's just such an, uh, an, an antithetical position yeah. uh, to the Christian. Position. Yep. He's Emmanuel, Christ with us, to the God with us. Yeah. yeah, God yeah, with there, us. Yeah. There is a quote. I can't know wherever it is, but. If uh, if manifestation is going to say I am God, that He is also correct because if you do look in the mirror, you do see that sun, and that reflection is the sun. If that 
does make any sense to you guys. And that that kind of view, if if that's true, it 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 blows it blows apart the uh, the the call of the Old Testament to worship God alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can't it can't stand on on the writings of Moses. It can't stand on the, the writings of the prophets. Um, and there's just such a discontinuity, um, and just, and it feels very Gnostic to me as well. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no way you could take um, scripture. So Jesus is at the center of scriptures. Jesus says he came to fulfill the law, the prophets, and Psalms, the Old Testament. He sent out the authors of the New Testament. The, the very clear teachings that Christ sent His Spirit into the church, confirming that truth to us. And the scriptures itself says that the faith has been handed once and for all to the saints. So to say that there's new revelation, it collapses in itself. So it's just a, again, it's a, uh, there are many points at which one could, as a Christian, go about this, like you said, depending on the Baha'i you're speaking to, whether they have issue, whether, whatever their topic is they're challenged with. There's many ways I think we can approach this, whether it's the person work of Christ or revelation or the issue of our own, our own consciences condemning us in our sin. Uh, that there is something wrong, um, uh, that that transgression is is before us every day, from murder to to, to rape to, to small things, lies, the matters of the heart, etc. That these things are genuine things that we sense and feel because we have offended God, and I think yeah, so many ways, um, which is fascinating with this group. I think there are probably, in my opinion, more so many ways you can approach them because there are so many areas of inconsistency. Particularly with the, with the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Cool. With that. Awesome. So I think we, we covered all the topics that we, we had planned for the day. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to bring up before we uh, part ways? Just that the Baha'is are uh, wonderful people, uh, nice people. They're in near to Jesus, uh, in need of Jesus. They're not. They're not people to be afraid of or. Uh, we should be encouraged to get to know them and care about them just like anyone we were to preach the gospel to everyone well amen amen Amen. cool all right hey well guys thank you so much for joining us on x crush day again please like uh subscribe follow and share this video um and we'll see you around thank you trevor this was thank you Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> I'm going to share your, your research, your studies, and your experience with us. Yes, Let me know if you guys have any more questions. Great. Yeah, for All sure. Right. Cool. Thanks, Garage. Thanks, Garage. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.